Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Form an offense. Form an offense. Four minutes. Form an offense. Form an offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in Tampa Bay. Coyotes got a road back-to-back. Coyotes give up six goals in each game. Coyotes give up have back-to-back games in which they give up a goal in the first minute of the game. They lose to Tampa 6-3. Keller did have a goal that assists head coach Andre Turney. I think when we mismanage our game, we pay dearly for it. I don't think we um, – I, I, I love the effort of our guys. I love our start. Unfortunately, the game went away in the second period. From there was tough. It was bad, and it's going to get worse if they don't start playing better. Off today, they're on the road against Carolina to end the first half of the season Saturday. Face-off at 5 o'clock. It was tied 42-42, and then it wasn't. Huger, the Oregon Ducks go on a huge run. They beat the Devils 80-61. They win the first and the second half 52-28. Head coach Bobby Hurley. So there were some good things done in this game, but just, you know, we got to put together 40 minutes. So we got some tough you know, half stretches the way we played in something. They looked terrible in that second half. They try to rebound in Corvallis. Oregon State is the host. That's tomorrow at 5 o'clock. But Oregon State's going to be feeling pretty good against the Devils coming off a buzzer beater to knock off U of A as the Wildcats lose 83-80. to They only go 3 of 14 from 3. Head coach Tommy Lloyd. They made some tough plays at the end of shot clocks, and we probably had some regrettable fouls at the end of shot clocks. Those games come down to those things. Yeah, bad way to finish for both teams to end up losers. You've got Oregon now hosting the Wildcats tomorrow, 3.30. Only one of our college teams locally to win, and they barely did it. They escaped against Stephen F. Austin. Lopes went 53-51, despite one of the most abhorrent assistant turnover ratios I've ever seen. Seven assists to 16 turnovers. Globes still are having a great season. They've only lost twice. They're at UT Arlington tomorrow. Tip-off in the afternoon at 1 o'clock. He's a Dodger. That kind of stinks, but he's needed, so that's kind of good. The Arizona Diamondbacks have a designated hitter. Jock Peterson, World Series champion with the Dodgers, and the Braves assigned a one-year deal to be a D-back for $9.5 million. Suns are the one team locally playing well. They're on a seven-game winning streak. They take on the Pacers tonight. That game you can see uh, on 3TV. They also play on Sunday. Tonight's tip-off is at 5 o'clock. Speaking of the Suns, Luca apologized. He was on TNT yesterday and admitted he should have had a fan ejected against the Suns. Yeah, I mean, it was the whole game, you know, a little bit, but uh, I was really frustrated, you know, we were losing, at least to my ankle in the second half, so, in the first half, it was just a lot of emotions, uh, but yeah, uh, probably shouldn't have done that, so, when I'm wrong, I admit it, so, probably shouldn't have done that, but it was just the whole game going on. My ankle hurt, so I had a fan thrown out. All right, All-Stars announced, Western Conference will start KD, not Devin Booker. 
NFL, Rams de- defensive coordinator Raheem Morris. He's now the Falcons head coach. And the Panthers hired Bucks OC Dave Canales. And this Sunday are the conference championship games. And finally... Okay, this isn't something that you see every day. A stolen buggy. An Amish family in Michigan had their cart and buggy stolen from a local Walmart. Police are not identifying the woman, but a woman was at the Walmart who's staying at a hotel. They told her to leave because she was creating a nuisance. After the cops left, she came back and then hijacked the horse and buggy and took off. It was found just two miles down the road. She had it parked outside of her hotel. Shocking somebody was able to find it. Jackpot Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander in chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tea time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off, plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat. You walk over for happy hour with your wife. You might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime. Or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedworldwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. To be able to give you what the gift I can give you today of Bobby Mac for about 45 minutes. The problem is while recording it, I forgot to put the laptop back into the backpack. So those of you that are now listening to Doug Cross Unplugged on the podcast, yeah, I don't know when it'll be up. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you decided to make Doug Cross Unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Cross, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises in the fourth great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Murray. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Uh, day two of voice issues. They'll be cleared up by next week, but I'm still plenty of energy, ready to drive uh, forward. The catch is, I can't believe I was this dumb, and I I, I have no idea what, uh, what I'm going to try to be able to do today. Today is moving day, so we are moving out of the digs that we have at I-17 and Peoria, and we're going to Park Central. 
So we're pretty jacked up as a company to be moving. We're growing a little bit, need a little bit more space, more studios. So that's pretty exciting. The catch is I was asked at 10 o'clock to have all of my personal items picked up and ready to move. But now I have to go back to Goodyear and get the laptop. Wait till CEO Chris hears that one. <laughs> so I think I think all I could do, and Jeff Weir Production, feel free to give me an opinion on this. All I could do is ask you to put the podcast in Zoho. Then I'll get in the car, drive to Goodyear, upload it, and then come back to I-17 at Peoria, pick up my stuff, and then drive to park central drop it off and unload i don't i don't know what else to do because we don't have internet at the other place if you're saying something jeff for your production i don't hear you yeah i don't i don't know that i'll be able to do that because i have to do a show after this oh man and then another show after that one so it'll be afternoon before i could do that you can't that's that's a process to put it in zoho well, no, I don't guess it is. Oh, okay. It'll take a minute. Well, yeah, but I have to, it, it, I mean, I'm fast, but I can't drive to Goodyear fast either. Okay. I'll see what I can do. You seem stressed. <laughs> I screwed up so bad. <laughs> I, I wonder if I can con my wife into dropping off the laptop. I'll try to, I'll try to call her. That, that probably won't go well. That probably won't go well, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> We'll make it work either way. You know what? The only way to make this work, do you mind uh, coming in studio right now, Jeff, for your production, and lighting the lamp? This is about the only way to uh, to fix the world after uh, after my big screw-up. Come on in. Today, my friends, is a beer Friday. And if there's ever been a beer Friday that has been totally earned, it is today. There you go. Cheers, my friend. Oh, yeah, there we go. I guess I could have lit the lamp. There's something cool about Jeff Weir Production lighting the lamp to signify Beer Friday. If you're listening to the podcast right now, Amazon, Google, Apple, Spotify, tune in. Great. I have no idea what time it is for you because I don't know when that podcast is getting up. Because the first thing, what happens is after Doug Franz Unplugged TV-wise, Jeff Weir Production is nice enough. It's up in, in our local network. I download it from the local network, and then I edit it, and then I put it up. And today, with my screw-up of no laptop, I won't be able to do that. But I do like this. I mean, I, I love Beer Friday. I love that. Hooray Beer. I don't know if you have just a signal, single Hooray Beer or if you want the uh, whole beginning. It's up to you, Jeff Weir Production. There you go. You know, I'm, I think that was a wise choice. Here we go. Clink. Yeah. Hooray Beer. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I'm in a great mood. I don't sound like it because I can't drive the voice. So I apologize for that. Uh, but it'll be back uh, in a week. Just I, Hopefully you just consider me a gamer for uh, fighting through. I've got so much to do today. I got 45 minutes or so of Bobby Mack, which I'm jacked up about. But I would like your opinion when you listen to it. Because sometimes an interview can be... It can be too casual. Is that I don't know if that makes sense. But Bobby Mack and I have such a good chemistry. We just went back and forth so much that I don't know if you really got the information you wanted. And Bobby Mack's brain jumps around all over the place. So I kept trying to bring it back because 
We talked about all kinds of crazy scenarios. He put out a mock draft on AZ uh, on AZ Central. And his mock draft, it was the standard three quarterbacks, one, two, three, Cardinals take Marvin Harrison. And he did say he thinks Marvin Harrison is the next Larry Fitzgerald. So he loves Marvin Harrison. But he threw out a caveat that I don't, I think there's only about a 5% chance of this happening, but it's so fascinating to me that it's interesting. And there's, there's a couple people, I think this is funny. I tweet out a quick rundown of what today's show is about every day. And there are a couple people that comment without listening to the show. And I've never quite understood that. So I'll put it, I'll put out what if so-and-so does something, you know, and then I'm doing that saying, do you realize, you know, I'll I'll make a point out of it. And then I'll admit, you know, I don't think that's going to happen, but somebody else said it. So I thought it was interesting. So Bobby Mack in his uh, mock draft, says what if the bears are happy with justin fields if they are they could make a trade and that would put somebody else wanting a quarterback at number four possibly making a trade with the cardinals it's interesting to talk about do i think the bears are going to keep justin fields not at all not at all but it's interesting to talk about so I know as soon as I put this out, Bobby Mack and I talk about what if it's a quarterback at four. I can't imagine the amount of people that are going to tweet, you idiot. There's, the Cardinals aren't taking a quarterback at four. Well, number one, I didn't say the Cardinals are taking a quarterback at four. I said somebody might. If the Bears don't take a quarterback, somebody might make a trade with the Cardinals. Then they'll be the, you idiot. Of course the Chicago Bears are taking a quarterback at one. No, okay. I, I didn't know that you already knew the draft. There's been plenty of drafts where I thought I knew something and found out that I didn't know anything. Uh, Last year, for an example, with uh, the Houston Texans trade with the Cardinals and being able to pick up C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. So stuff like that, how do you know that? But if you are a hardcore member of the Unplugged Army, you will laugh today because when you, if you're watching this right now on WTSMTV.com as a live member, hi, thank you. And if you're listening to the podcast whenever I'm able to get it posted today, um, thank you for, for sacrificing and figuring out a way to listen when I've screwed up today without the laptop. But it'll be funny. You'll see the tweets come out that mentions, hey, what if this happens? I talked to Bobby Mack about it. And the amount of people that will reply to that tweet freaking out because I've had a conversation with Bobby Mack about it, that's going to be entertaining to me. But we get into a lot of other stuff and a good debate about the future of the Cardinals. So please be a part of that. I think you'll, uh, I think you'll love it. Sound credits today. Uh, Sun Devil Source gave us Bobby Hurley, but no malt box, so it doesn't sound great. Andre Turney was given to us by the Arizona Coyotes. Thanks, guys. Uh, TNT's YouTube page I took uh, Luka Doncic from. And, oh, uh, Arizona Wildcats, for four-minute offense, we took Tommy Lloyd. Boy, U of A fan. Man, did I think you guys had a good team this year. I did. What in the world? What in the world is happening there? I mean, that's a mess right now. That is an absolute mess. Uh, anything going on in your life, uh, Jeff Weir Production? No, sir. Everything is good to go. All right, ready go- for the move. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing move-wise after I screw up today. You can see this is a problem. Like, I'm already turning where's my laptop. For those of you that watch, this is where the laptop goes. And I'm totally lost without it. 
I can't imagine Jennifer's anger when she gets an email from me. By the way, how do you feel about leaving for work 45 minutes early? <laughs> That'll go over real well. Let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's Big One today. Listen, I'm thrilled for it. I'm happy for it. I'm glad it happened to him. I think he's a fantastic player. But it still makes me pause and I don't understand something at all. Here are your uh, all-star starters. They were announced yesterday for the NBA. And if you don't know the way it works, the players vote, the media votes, and the fans vote with the fans having a lot more say in it. In the East, it's it's uh, Giannis Adenakumbo, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Tyrese Halliburton, and Damian Lillard. In the West... It's LeBron James for the 20th time. He passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most All-Star games. It's LeBron, Jokic, KD, Luka, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. As I look at these starters, I I don't have a beef at all. I I think people, for the most part, got it right. Argument here, argument there if you want. I'm fine with those. But here's, here's what I don't get. I'm not arguing Devin Booker should be a starter in the Western Conference. I am not arguing that. The year that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is having is fantastic. The year Luka is is having is outstanding. Granted, if you made me choose would I rather have Luka or D-Book, I would take D-Book. But if I'm going for an all-star game and who has had the best offensive year, I would take Luka. Katie Jokic and, uh, and, uh, and LeBron, that's fine. What gets to me, though, it's not that Halliburton and Shea Gilgis-Alexander are starters. I think they deserved it. Again, not arguing that. But what I don't understand is what is it that the Suns aren't doing or that we're not doing as Suns fans or what's not happening nationally that fans know about the Oklahoma City Thunder point guard and the Indiana Pacers point guard but they don't know about the Phoenix Suns and Devin Booker. And I mean this whole time, this whole time of Devin Booker. Now, truth be told, a lot of the years that Devin Booker has had a fantastic season, look at the backcourts that, that have been available to the, West, to the Western Conference. When you've got Steph Curry, when you've got Klay Thompson, when you've got Damian Lillard, when you look at the, the firepower of the Western Conference and the backcourts of the Western Conference, I'm not really arguing that it sh- that, that Booker should have started over one of them. But I just don't get it on how the rest of the country doesn't notice Devin Booker, but they are able to pay attention to Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Tyrese Halliburton. How does that happen? How does that happen at all? Now, let me be clear on who I am about these guys. Shea Gilgis Alexander is the player that I wanted the Suns to draft a long time ago, but I think we could argue I was wrong because Mikel Bridges was their choice, and boy, did he fit perfectly with that team. Okay, that's fine. To, to this day, I believe the Suns had a trade with Ryan McDonough worked out to draft Shea Gilgis Alexander, and I think Robert Sarver nixed the trade because he wanted Mikel Bridges. 
I would like to have seen. They needed a point guard. This is before Chris Paul. I think Shea Gilgis-Alexander would have been a fantastic son, been great with Devin Booker, but they wouldn't have had the defensive stopper they had in those years with Mikael Bridges. So that's a good debate, and I'm okay if uh, if you disagree with me wanting Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I will never let go of Tyrese Halliburton, of how frustrated I was with passing up Tyrese Halliburton. I had talked about him going into the de- the draft. I also like Shadiq Bay, and they drafted sticks. They drafted Jalen Smith out of, I think, Maryland. I might be wrong. He was out of Virginia. I blocked it out of my head. It was such a bad decision. I railroaded the decision the next day, and now we got Tyrese Halliburton as a starter in the All-Star game. It's not an I told you so because I've been right so many times compared to who the Suns draft that it's getting boring. My point is the country. How do they know Tyrese Halliburton and Shea Gilgis-Alexander and the seasons they're having, and they're never able to pay attention to the seasons that Devin Booker is having? You can't just say, well, I mean, maybe you could argue it's West Coast, but they know the Lakers or Lakers fans do their job. And what about all the times it was Dame time with Portland? You can't say small town West Coast as your argument against Devin Booker if Damian Lillard was getting it while he was a member of the Trailblazers. Yes, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is on uh, Central time and Tyrese Halliburton is on Eastern time, but somehow the country's paying attention to little Indiana and little Oklahoma City. I, I don't know if the Suns have the crappiest PR department. And I don't like to say that. They've treated me very well. But there, there's got to be a flaw somewhere. I don't know if Devin Booker's not doing enough to get his name out there. I don't know if it's not really all that important, but I know it is because Devin Booker has said it before that he does care about legacy and all-star starts are a part of your legacy, whether they should be or not, they are. And and I know he's going to make it. I know he's going to be an all-star. I know he'll get chosen as an all-star. But the point is something is really screwed up in a system where the rest of the country correctly votes Tyrese Halliburton and Shea Gilgis-Alexander when they deserve it, but has never even remotely paid attention to Devin Booker. And you might be saying, how do you know that? Do you realize Devin Booker in this all-star voting has been neck and neck with Ja Morant? Ja Morant has been either suspended or uh, injured for, I think, everything except about six or seven games this year. So he's played in about six or seven games and he's fighting it out with Devin Booker for a starting spot. And when I say fighting it out, I mean like the seventh best member of the backcourt. Please don't tell me that Memphis is this big metropolitan area, so it's all Grizzlies fans coming out of the woodwork. There is a major marketing problem of Devin Booker. And I used to not care about it because I used to blame fans for being influenced by marketing. I don't think Tyrese Halliburton and Shea Gilgis-Alexander have any kind of all-star train that everybody's jumping on. I think that's just an intelligent vote. I think people are paying attention and did a great job voting. So how are they doing it for those two and not book? I don't understand that at all. That's Doug's big one today. This is something that you have to see. It happened late. Tip-off wasn't until 9 o'clock. And it was, it's just staggering that this occurred last night. Oregon State hosting U of A. Jeff Weir Production, please roll it. Too, too slow. 
They wasted five seconds. Jordan Pope for the win. Oh! Oh! Oregon State's a 500 team. How does that happen? Listen, you know full well I'm not a U of A fan at all. But what, Tommy Lloyd, I love you. I think you're a fantastic coach. But what is happening? The skill level of the players that you have, Caleb Love, Larson, uh, Omar Ballo, uh, Umar Ballo had seven points and six boards yesterday. The foul trouble on this team, Boswell and Johnson almost fouled out. Larson and Ballo had three fouls apiece. The lazy defense, Oregon State shot 56% from the field. They shot 60% from three, and they had 24 free throw attempts. Now, Oregon State didn't adjust to the refs either. There were 31 free throw attempts for U of A in this game. I mean, just let that wash over you for a second. There were 55 free throw attempts in a college basketball game. At, at so I, a, let's look at the Pac-12 and say, guys, how is that an entertaining product? And I realize talking negatively about the Pac-12 is the definition of beating a dead horse. But we all know Pac-12 officiating is terrible. But secondly, I asked the teams, how do you not adjust? They were calling everything last night. And you couldn't figure that out? It was, that was such a lazy defensive effort from U of A. And boy, is that a team devoid of leadership. And that's, a, that's something where you stare at the head coach in a difficult way. The best teams are led by the players. I don't care what age group. The best teams are led by the players. But if you don't have player leadership then you need your head coach to get a lot more involved and be a lot stronger. And I tell you what, Tommy Lloyd right now, that's one of those games where you look at him and say, what are we doing here? What, 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 what's your goal here? Three of 14 from three. You couldn't do any other plays to be able to get Caleb Love going again, who was two of seven from three, or I, I don't know. I just I just thought that was I don't ever I hardly ever get on Tommy Lloyd. I just thought that was a poorly coached game. I realize the other teams out there trying to stop you, okay? But Oregon State's not good enough to do that if you're mentally checked into the game. I don't think there's any time Oregon State beats a focused U of A game, a U of A team. And man, is it's happened way too much this year where U of A seems unfocused this year. I still stand by how talented I think they are. But clearly, Tommy Lloyd's not getting through to him. Please don't read into that and think I'm challenging Tommy Lloyd's ability to coach, that Tommy Lloyd should be fired, that Tommy Lloyd isn't going to do great next year. You know, all that stuff. Get, get real. Tommy Lloyd's a fantastic coach. Everything's going to be fine. I do believe he will eventually win a national championship at U of A. But, boy, he's he's – I, I kind of like Tommy Lloyd's little arrogant streaks. I like the way he is, the way he defends his players. Come on, guys. It's not that hard. You got to play better. You got to play tough. We're not playing tough. I, I like the way he handles the media. He's a really smart dude. But, Tommy, I do have advice for you. If you're going to come across 
with that little touch of arrogance and power because you know you're the top dog in a city, then have your guys ready to play. It's one way or the other. Either be nice to everybody in the media and act like they're your friends or have that little touch of, of strength, power, and arrogance because players do like that. But it better translate to the court because right now it's not. All right, coming up next, jacked up for this. Bobby Mack, Arizona Republic, sitting down with me for about 45 minutes talking draft, talking Cardinals, and talking about his loss in darts that he refuses to accept. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. I know it's a little bit difficult to understand this, but right now is a fantastic time to get a new air conditioner. Your AC unit has worked unbelievably hard in one of the hottest summers on record in the city of Phoenix. Well, right now, Parker & Sons has stocked up on air conditioners for the summer, and now the summer's over. So they're not nearly as expensive to get those units because they need to move them on. So you get that tremendous advantage on price. Now, if you're not sure if you need a new air conditioner, join the Parker family plan. We've been on the Parker family plan since about, oh, I don't know, a year or two after we moved here. And it's been fantastic. I totally believe they helped extend the life of our current unit by keeping it up to date with its warranty, warned us of pending doom, we admit. And eventually we got a new one from Parker and Sons and saved a lot of money because we were on the Parker family plan. Call 6022-REPAIR, that's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler, it's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Unplugged Army, you know that smiling face that is right there. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. And Bobby Mack, at AZ Bobby Mack, if you want to follow him on Twitter. Bob McManaman from the Arizona Republic, who we believe is the longest tenured employee at the Arizona Republic. Now, Bobby Mack, when you covered the famous vote in which Arizona became a state, who were your go-to sources? All right. All right. Just hold up a little bit. There could be a janitor there that's older than me. I don't know. Oh, that's true. But you see, you would know that that's a source. Janitors, yeah, equipment it, people. It, I do know him. He's a good man. And he might have been around uh, back in the hunt days. That was yeah. the first thing. I think. <laughs> Buried at the Phoenix Zoo. You ever been to the Phoenix Zoo, Doug Leach? I have been to the, I went there very early on in the 17 years I've lived here, but I admit I haven't gone back in about 15 years. You should go to Zoo Lights. It's a good experience at okay. Christmas time. I am a huge, I don't talk about this a lot. I'm a huge zoo guy. I love zoos. Zoos are good. Yeah, I, I could. I mean, when I'm on road trips, I figure, OK, can we stop at a zoo? I'm more baseball. Stop at a baseball park every time. But, oh, yeah, I love zoos. Zoos are good. They, zoos would be good for us, I think. 
Yeah. <laughs> would we be looking at the animals or would we uh, we'd be inside? Be in the, yeah, yeah, that's probably not that uh, yeah. not that crazy of a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. First of all, the more important, the most important question of the world. How's life? How's the family? How's Bob? Uh, how's Bobby Mack? Great, great, great. And fantastic. Thank oh, you. good. Good. How about you? Been a I, you know, it has been a while. I'm doing I'm doing wonderful. I, I love where I'm at and I love the possibilities. And we're moving to a new location that's just on Central, which is exciting because we uh, we're expanding a little bit. So uh, so that's cool. And, uh, and new ideas. And I want you to be part of our draft coverage if you're available, right. too. Well, if the boss says yes, I'm there. Oh, great, great, great. Well, then uh, we'll put a big sign up and uh, and everybody at the paper uh, will be happy. I asked you to come on to talk about your mock draft because okay. I, I love the NFL draft. And there are two mock drafts that I read. One is Mel Kuyper Jr.'s and one is yours. Mel, because he's been doing it forever and it's just cool. And he used to return my emails, but I haven't reached out in a while. And you, because we've been friends for a long time. So therefore, I look at your mock draft and yours is pretty standard. One, two, three quarterbacks, Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Cardinals at four. But I like something you wrote. And I realize you might have just thrown it out there as a pipe dream, but... If the Chicago Bears decide we can trade down and we're going to stick with Justin Fields, that's the only way it seems that the Cardinals draft pick at four becomes very valuable. To me, we all say Cardinals should trade down, Cardinals should trade down. But does anybody really want to trade up to number four? If three quarterbacks are gone, one, two, three, it seems like your little suggestion there holds the whole key. Well, if they trade down, it would only be to three to get Marvin Harrison, right? Mm-hmm. And keep Justin Fields. That was the premise of, is that what you're talking about? Yes, right? yes. And then, therefore, four, you have your choice of the best tackles in the draft. And as I mentioned in the mock, which dropped the same day that Mel's did. Yes, but I think maybe an hour sooner, so you win. But I never lived in my mother's basement. Just so you know. <laughs> but you also, by your suggestion, if that would actually happen, that also oh. leaves a quarterback on the board at four too. So it's not just the tackles. Does it? it does. It's yeah. It would be. It could be Jaden Daniels, right? Right. And, right. Uh, or depending on whether it's May. I mean, obviously, Caleb Williams would definitely go in one of the first two picks. One, but one of the quarterbacks Drake would still May, be there. Jaden Daniels. Yeah. But if they take Harrison at three, the Bears, it, should they drop? Uh, the Cardinals have an interesting situation. Do they take the best offensive tackle like they did with Paris Johnson Jr., who was, I think, excellent mm-hmm. in my evaluations and and talking to the team and him and watching the film and watching the even the PFF grades, which he put some stock into. Uh, but I talked to scouts and I talked to other people and they love Paris Johnson. So is Joe Alt the guy? He's my favorite tackle. I, I think that's the guy that I'm going to start to gleam on more if Marvin's not there. Now, do you, do you really risk losing your next 10 year tackle opposite of Paris? To trade down and and do what? I, I think you grab the tackle. 
But I want Marvin Harrison, so let's just backtrack this a little bit. Okay, okay. In my opinion, I think he's going to be there because I think it's going to be one, two, three quarterback. Right. But I'll get into this with you, Doug, because I think tackle is in the trenches. There's not a defensive lineman there that blows my mind, but I'm still working this and I'm still talking to people. We have the Combine Pro Days. We have all kinds of stuff. I hope to be in Indianapolis, as you know, uh, for a third straight year or whatever it is. That's and, cool. And be because there are so many draft picks that they have, and there's so many things they can do. And we saw what Austin Ford did when he mixed it all up and, and just kept adding more picks. It's, it's a, It was a brilliant move in a rebuilding year. So... Uh, everything is all fluid, like it always is in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And the Bears thing is really what's going to determine what happens with the Cardinals. Uh, there's no way, there's no way for you to answer this, but I'm going to ask anyway because you're Bobby yeah. Mack. Okay. I. I love the idea of a tackle. I love the idea of playing the game that they did last year, trading down, trading back up, you know, moving around your board in order to get. I think that's going to happen too, by the way. I I like hearing that. Now, here's the catch, though. But not at four, but at 27. If there's no quarterback for you at four, I don't think anybody is going to really pay the price it normally takes to move up to number four. So I say trade down, trade down, trade down. Right. But as one wise American philosopher from Orchard Park, New York, Ron Wolfley said, it takes two to tangle because he fights instead of two to tango like the rest of the world says. So I don't know if you're really going to find somebody that's going to pay you the value of the number four pick. So if you're stuck there, do you look at Marvin Harrison and say what some people even like to say the next Larry Fitzgerald, or even if he's as good as I said, and I believe he is. Do you? I totally believe it. That's why I'd almost trade up to make sure you don't lose him. Wow. I love the guy. Now I think you're officially He's nuts. tweeting out. Have you seen him retweeting Cardinal posts? Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's something positive to him of saying, I'm the number one non-quarterback in the draft. He, he loves Larry Fitzgerald. He's retweeted posts of that. It's a little hidden gem in this. I love the fact that he's doing that. And I, I'm just saying, that's that's got to be the guy. But what if it's marketing? What if he's he and his agent are so yeah. brilliant they're better at Kyler than Kyler Murray at scrubbing Instagram accounts? And bit, he's he's looking at it and saying, "Hey, tweet out everything positive about the Cardinals because you make more money if you're drafted at number four. There's no doubt. Okay, there's no doubt. So yeah, let me sure. sell you on this. Yeah, there's a ton of wide receivers. I yeah. love Roma Dunze. Me so too. how about taking Alt? With the fourth pick, uh, granted, I want to trade down. I just don't think anybody will do it at number four. So I take alt at number four. I have two tackles for the rest of my livelihood. Yeah. And then I try to trade back up. Rome will be gone when I draft with the Texans pick. Uh, damn, CJ Stroud. He was not drafting with the Texans if I'm the Cardinals again. <laughs> for at least a year. Just like the. Because of the belief of C.J. Stroud will always screw up your draft pick? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah they were fantastic. Remember, remember on, at the end of the draft, we were thinking 1-2. We were going, yeah. it'll be it'll be 1-2. The Cardinals will have the first pick because they stink and the second pick because Houston stinks, and then C.J. Stroud's amazing. 
Boom. Yeah. Go, but continue on. What were you going to say about that? That that they trade down. I want to trade down out of four, but I'm sitting here saying that as the fan with a beer and a bar, not understanding somebody else has to trade with me. I don't think somebody's going to want to come up to number four with all three quarterbacks gone. So then I'm actually drafting alt knowing how good Harrison is, but I've loved so many other receivers. And the number one for me is Roma Dunze out of UW that then I'm trying to figure out, okay, now how can I get back up and can I walk away from the first round with Roma Dunze and and alt full well knowing I've got to move around a lot to right. be able to do that. Well, you could do this. I mean, let's say uh, Harrison is gone, right? At three. Okay. Chicago moves down with New England. New England gets up and gets. Oh, if that happens, I'm all in because somebody's going to come up to get a quarterback at four. Caleb Williams, Drake May, and then somebody is, and you can move down and you can just take the next best. Well, let's just say Harrison's gone. Mm hmm. Okay, you've got Malik Neighbors and you've got Roma Dunze. Mm-hmm. Or you can have the best tackle. Which one do you want more? I'm taking alt. I, I believe in alt. And then with whatever move I did mm-hmm. to move out of four and still draft alt, I'm taking that extra capital and right. then I'm packaging it with Houston's pick and I'm jumping back sooner into the first round right. to to get Roma Dunze. Okay. That's going to require a lot of draft capital. Yes, it will. And probably more than at least two picks it's going to take. But the hope is, in in your scenario, if I've made the move out of four, I'm picking enough capital up to be able to do it. Yeah, I think you can do that by getting Harrison and still moving up at 27. Okay. If he's there, which is what I said in my mock. If Granted, there was a lot of options at number four. Because you just don't know. The, the Justin Fields thing is always going to be clouded until, and we're not going to know probably until the. Really? I mean, let's, we should focus on that for a second because I love the speculation, but the whole speculation it's, of. There's going to be all kinds of stories that come out, I'm guaranteed. Sitting at four with a quarterback on the table. Like, let's focus on that. The only way that happens is if the Bears declare Justin Fields is our quarterback. And I. I love talking about it. I love they speculating. About it. It and still I don't believe there's different. any chance that that happens. I don't believe there's Josh any Rosen chance. Josh Rosen is our guy. Yeah. What? Josh Rosen is our guy. Yes. Yeah. For now. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we Remember, it, there were three mistakes made in drafting those other players. The, the other teams made three mistakes, and I'll make them rue the day that that happened. It was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I miss him. I, I miss him. He was good. He was a good dude. Well, he was, you know, I was not I, his fault. I had one of the, the strangest reasons for being right in my life. I declared before the draft, and boy, did it make Steve Kime mad because I didn't know he liked Josh Rosen oh. when I said this. I said, don't draft Josh Rosen. He'll be out of the league in five years. But the reason why I said that is because he had some big concussions at UCLA. And I thought he was a big time jerk and I thought he would rub everybody the wrong way and he'd be out of the league because he'd take a big hit or guys would just hate him, blah, blah, blah. And instead, his concussions weren't the problem. He wasn't a big jerk, but I was still right because for a reason I never thought of, he wasn't very, he wasn't good. I I thought he could at least play. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and defend it on a, the hill and fight you for it, but I, (laughs) I disagree. Okay. It was a system. It was the situation. 
it was problematic of a lot of people in the NFL world where this happens to a lot of guys, especially quarterbacks. I don't think it was his fault. I think it was just the bad situation, bad team, bad coordinators, bad karma, bad whatever. So why didn't he make it anywhere else? I mean, he, like he hasn't even coach was a quarterback who never made it. And Bruce Arians says he was the best quarterback he ever saw in his life. You know, Bruce can be wrong. He's kind of Bruce, nice. Bruce can be wrong. But I think his second favorite quarterback played tight end for the Washington Commanders. No, for a long no, time no. Too. He did draft him, though. <laughs> yes, Logan exactly. Tom. Logan Tom. Exactly. After telling me and swearing to me personally, I'm not drafting a quarterback. Ticket to the bank. Quote it. And then he drafted Logan Thomas. Back when the Cardinals gave me a credential, Logan Thomas hit me with a pass twice in one practice. You're not allowed anywhere near there anymore, are you? No, no, not at all. After the Ron Miniger interview, you think they're going to touch me? No way. I saw you at games. Come on. Uh, Not last year you didn't. But I did. No, I didn't. Got, they they blocked me like crazy after interviewing Ron Miniger, the only one that took it national. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, good job, by the way. Oh, that's the thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, it was uh, underratedly fantastic. Uh, thank you. It was a it was powerful to sit there and, and hear how poorly run the organization was through those years. It hurt. And then, of course, the cheating and everything that happened, which uh, coming up at the end of March is the deadline for where the hearing's supposed to end. The arbitrator, the, the, the situation's over. The arbitrator has all of the briefs and he's supposed to decide. I have a sneaking suspicion when the final four is here will be exactly when the findings are released to try to minimize because the rest of the country doesn't care about the Cardinals. And the thought process will be everyone here will be so focused on the final four. No one will care about what comes out. Do you think the Sean Cooler uh, arbitration will be resolved publicly or will that be swept under with a settlement? I think the hard thing there is that I don't think the Kugler family has the same financial wherewithal to be able to fight because they have to pay for their lawyers. And it's so difficult because the NFL has a way of dragging these things out in a sense to try to act like we're just doing our due diligence when in truth, they're trying to spend you into oblivion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Terry's not that way. Terry's got the money to sit there and fight all day long and then to get more money. And it's, it's going to be interesting because Terry's got him dead to right. And this is all opinionated, but I think they blew Michael Bidwell away in front of the arbitrator. The catch is, I don't know if the NFL cares. I don't think they care. So if they don't care, how hard are you really going to hammer Michael Bidwell? I mean, you can either pay Terry off and all of this goes away, but I don't think Terry wants the money, but I think at most it's going to be like a third round pick. You get, you lose one pick. It just like you you had that little thing. I don't think that's going to happen at all. Really? No. I mean, if they cheated, they cheated, right? Yes. Well, what about the integrity of the shield? Well, I think Mike Bidwell's on how many was, has been on how many committees, top committees in the NFL, like 12. Do you think, though, the other owners like him? I think that that would be shooting themselves in the foot. I think they'll sweep this under the rug. Okay. Okay. And I think they'll settle quietly and privately and we'll never even hear about it. Oh, I will. Trust me. (laughs) Uh, Unless unless there's a gag order and they tell. Oh, there is. There's gag orders. And 
And, and you it, could be violating a thing. And I'm no, all, I'm not. They might be violating the NDA, but I'm not. Well, call me before you do that. So. Oh, hey, the, the, the whole Ron Miniger uh, interview is up uh, at WTSMTV.com if you ever want to write yeah. something on it. Ron's a good man. And yeah, yeah. He uh, he spoke to me before right. he was hit with a gag order. He right. actually was called to testify and did testify. And uh, and then that's when he kind of told me, sorry, now I got hit with the gag order. I got to stay quiet. And then it, he, now I've had to go to lower level sources when I was able to talk to Ron pretty exclusively before he right. got hit with the gag order. Great work on your part. Oh, and thank you. Thank you. Not lost in this media community. It's not. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I mean, I was a little shocked that not a lot of people reached out to me. I mean, I understand it's the Cardinals and you know they've got to tight, tighten it and everybody would have to take a bullet if they tried to do something. But I was I was a little surprised. No, it was good work. It was good oh, work. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Let's get back to better, uh, than, better than my mock draft. <laughs> I I didn't jump up and down in anger at the mock draft. I was okay. I was OK with it. Well, I've been doing it for about 20 something years. I don't know. Well, does the, okay. The Cardinals drafting at four, the chargers are right after them. Does anything happen with Harbaugh at now that Harbaugh's there at six yeah. that you think they're interested to, you know, Harbaugh's going up against Marvin Harrison jr. Do you think he loves him so much that he tries to move up to, uh, to one of the spots at one, two or three? I, I never even thought about that. But if I'm the Cardinals and I've got Marvin on my sights at four, I'm not trading with Jim Harbaugh or anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping him. But I can see what you're saying. Did they move up even higher to maybe number three? Let's not act like we have any idea what the Patriots are going to do. We, we don't have... have a huge salary cap issue. Yeah. And I'm, I'm almost a little bit surprised. I thought it was the place for Harbaugh to, to land. But that salary cap situation is not good. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the reasons why Telasco's not there, even though they've just been teasers in the NFL since Phillip Rivers' day. Right, I, right. I, they've always been just a teaser to me. But this team has something special with that quarterback and some skilled players and some pretty good players on defense, especially the back end. But I, I would. I never even thought that they would move into the conversation. If they move ahead of the Cardinals, then it could be a problem. Yeah, but the salary cap space—they're going to have to make some big time cuts. And I don't. Mm-hmm. The, I have always said, and so many teams violate this rule, and I think they get burnt every time. And yeah. the Doug Franz rule. The Doug Franz rule of the draft is just because you need a quarterback doesn't make that guy a franchise quarterback. Right. And it's always driven me crazy when teams jump up and down and say, hey, we've got to have a quarterback. So what? It doesn't matter. So you've got Jake Locker. How does that work out? You know, so you got Christian Ponder. How did that work out? Josh Rosen. You have to get that pick right. You have to love that guy. You have to believe in that guy. I'm not saying I would be 100% correct every time I drafted a quarterback if I was a GM, but I am Jordan saying. Love. Let me just I, interrupt you. Jordan Love. Yes. Rewatching that game against the Niners, uh, the Niners should have won that game. And, mm-hmm. and oh, my God, here's the new franchise guy, the next bar, the next Rodgers. And he was two minutes away from being potentially one of those guys. Now we still don't know. At the beginning mm-hmm. of the year, no one knew if the Packers were going to be a playoff team or not or, or if Jordan Love could be that guy. 
then he the best second half stretch of I think almost any quarterback next to Matt Stafford who came back strong and healthy who just wowed everybody and and we think we know until we don't or unless we see it and we mm-hmm. follow people and what exactly what you're talking about the same line of questioning but right when it comes to quarterbacks like nobody knew about Kyler Murray was the last eight games fantastic no but it was pretty damn good you're and, still sold on him aren't you yeah just like you no here's <laughs> good you're not trying sold to slide on that in K one? No, I I would not. No sriracha sauce for you. I would not cut or trade him because of the salary cap hit. You can't cut. But I would have traded him before you ever signed him to the contract. He would not be here if I was the GM. And I think so far I'm right. Obviously the injury helps my point, and I wouldn't have known that was coming. How about how about this crazy idea? And that is that is this. You know Lamar Jackson gets drafted with a 30-second pick in the draft. Now you've got the fifth-year option. Is there any chance that the Cardinals take that Texans pick and even trade down three, four, five picks? Would you lose your mind if they drafted Bo Nix with pick number 32? I would not. And and the reason I say that is not Bo Nix, but the need for another quarterback on this roster is – Immense, and you're okay with the first round pick because I want. No, I'm if I'm going to okay. do it, I want the third year option. Drop, if you said 27 and drop four or five picks, that's a second round. No, remember there's 32 teams, so I, I want to stay in the third. Well, I was. I'm not taking Bo Nix in the first round. Okay, I want a first round quarterback. Here's why: I got to have that fifth. I'd rather have JJ McCarthy maybe in the second round. I'd like that. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I'm, I want the fifth year option. I want to make sure that I have more time because I'm definitely starting Kyler next well, year. Well, they need a backup. And, and they, I need a backup. They need a young have. backup that's better than Clayton, too. Yes, yes. But I want the fifth year option because of that. I don't get a fifth year option lockdown if I draft a guy in the second round. This team's not ready to do that. If they had. If they're way closer to a playoff team, and I think they are, I think they're close. Really? I do think they're. I think they'll win eight to nine games next year. Oh, my goodness, Bob. Okay, now we're worried. Do they drug test at the Arizona Republic? Stop, stop, stop. This, look at what the Texans did. They won okay, 11 games. The Texans games have a quarterback. And now the Car- the Cardinals do, yeah, too. And we'll see. They're, they're, right. we Come on. Come on. Think about you know, it. I can't wait to play you in darts and just really kick your butt. <laughs> You know that's impossible. You oh, said I beat you the you, last time. You talked trash the last time. I beat you, and then and you, I, I beat you so bad three. you forgot that I beat you. People, come watch us. Just come <laughs> to the west side and watch me kill this guy. You're a dart election denier. Okay, <laughs> I will leave that kind of thing to you because I don't go for that stuff. But oh, was... I remember. you want to talk about the mock draft again or no? Yes, I do. I, I'm never done talking about the draft. I absolutely love it. Um, your dream scenario for the Cardinals in the first round, what two positions or what two players? Well, it's Harrison for sure. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I, I like what you said about the quarterback because in my free agency primer series, which is coming up soon, I specify the need for a, 
a real backup quarterback just because of what we've seen in the league this year. Right. 22 guys, starting quarterbacks going down and just a bad quarterback play. Whether it's a young guy or a veteran, you got to bring them in. Mm-hmm. Because uh, no disrespect to, to Tune, but I want somebody who's, if this is going to be an eight to nine win team, you're on the doorstep of getting in the playoffs. And you need a backup quarterback just in case he misses one, two, three, or four games, Kyler, with anything. So, but that's not what they're going to do at 27. See, I, I want to flip your thinking totally. If okay. you think, and I, I think you're crazy now, but if you well, think they're are close to a crazy. Yeah, that's true. If you think they're close to a playoff, then I I've got to get a lineman, a receiver, or defense, and oh. I mean pass rush or corner yeah. in the first. Like, there's no way I'm going back up. I was going now, to tell you that until but, you called me crazy. But for me, I want the corner because I think I'm going to develop him to replace Kyler Murray. Well, I'd rather have the O-line, the interior defensive lineman, the cornerback, and all that other nonsense. I would yeah. even be adverse to them drafting a second wide receiver if you've got – if you even move back up and get a second one, because I don't think that Michael Wilson's a number two. Right. But if you can get first and a second and make Michael Wilson your third, I don't really need Rondell Moore anymore. Greg Dorch could be my returner. I, what else do they have? Even, I mean, even though you're right. I mean, listen, you are right about the receiver. Does a receiver do enough to no. dramatically change no. your team when the you French have? The trenches do. And everybody knows it. And then the mm-hmm. quarterback, but it, we're talking about a backup now, but you still need one. I know where you're going with it. Mm-hmm. I think if they get out of the first round with those two picks with a look, they're too young at cornerback, Doug. They need a veteran cornerback. And there's plenty available via free agency and or a trade. Offensive tackles, I, I trust me, I've looked it up. There's mm-hmm. not anybody out there who's going to take on one of those tackle spots at the right age, at the right price, who's a can't-miss dude. They're all in their, You're talking free agents? their primes, or they're too young without okay. So, and quarterbacks, they've got a slew of those kids, but they're, they need experience there. So I don't think you need to spend your first two picks – yeah, well, I, I do think you need a tackle, mm-hmm. but I don't think you need to draft a cornerback in the first round. This is so interesting because here's our this is obviously where our debate is, and that is where are they at as an organization? Since right. I think they are so far behind in talent wise. They're not that even, far behind. They're see, not here's that the thing. Far see, look at that. To, to, to even remotely compete. you could fix this. And they did it with piecemeal guys who were nobodies from nowhere, and they got him to play this Jonathan Gannon hoorah style. <laughs> and they surprised the NFL. Yeah, they won four games. They probably should have won more than that. Should this they? I looked at it the exact opposite. I think they should have lost more than that. Well, uh, you know, once you got your credential pulled and you weren't around there anymore, you should have <laughs> called me more often. I would have told you where this team spirit is. They don't know. I still have a couple secret sources left, but um, they're trying to root them out. That's why they laid off a bunch of people. They I'll were lift up the back flip flap of the tent and let you in the back door. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm sure that'll do wonders for your career there if you do that. Oh, how, do how'd, you, how'd you get in here, Bobby Mack? Let me in. 
Yeah. Well, I've got some history too and some secrets. Yeah. Oh, well, that that's something to be. Uh, that that's something that I tell you what. We'll the play book. darts in every game I win. You tell me a cardinal secret. People show up. He's a liar. He's not ever beaten me at darts. We're going to sell tickets to this event now, without a doubt. There, the unplugged army will be there. We'll bring. I'll bring witnesses now. Well, I'll bring my witnesses. Oh, okay, okay. I'll I'll, I'll, rec- I'll record the final shot. So we. Uh... I dare you to play me in darts again. <laughs> All right, let's let's set it. When when do you want to go? When do you want to go? Next, next week? week. Okay, next done. Week. We're playing darts next week. Unplugged army, right. uh, somewhere on the west. We'll, we'll go to your place. You you can even have home guard advantage. Whatever. Yeah. All right. Done. What else about this draft now? The. I think we're good. I think mean, you want draft the Cardinals is... to draft at twenty-seven. Ah. Uh, if the verse kid is still there from Florida State, he won't be. I know. I said if. Uh, then, then I would like it. Yeah. It's too dependent on what did I do in the, in the number four spot. Uh, I mean, I really want them to trade down and then draft alt with their first first round pick. I'm I just okay don't. with that. If if Harris is not there, I'm totally okay with. Yeah, that. I just don't think that'll happen. I don't I think anybody's going to trade. State down. tackle is really going to be. I can't miss kid. I think he's going to slip a little bit from everything I'm hearing and talking to people about. I think all is the best tackle, but I'll tell you, Doug, uh, you mentioned something about neighbors and Ozuna and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, Roma, uh, Roma Dunze is my favorite. I don't know. I I mean, he's got the size too, that they need, they need a six, four guy, the six, Mm -hmm. two, six, three, you know, neighbors is a, a playmaking freak, but he's six foot, and that's still bigger than three fifths of the Cardinals' wide receivers. Right, right, right. So I'm okay with that too. But I, I just think that um, tackle is something that you you could get there uh, at 27. But you know, once you once you're at that point, maybe you trade back up and get your edge rusher. But I'll tell you this. Look at all the edge rushers they've added in the last four, three years. Just two years. Right. A couple of them are gone because they didn't pan out. Either they're climbing even their own guys. Young is good, but you need an experienced guy with edge moves. Don't you? Yes. You look at the unrestricted free agents who are going to be edge rushers. There's a million of them. Now, are they Chandler Jones in his prime without the weird stuff on social media? Yeah, they are. What happened Maybe. to Chandler Jones? Really, let's get back to the, the major debate, because this is all this matters. When we talk about who they should draft, it really matters on one thing. Where is what is the state of this organization? If you truly believe they're a couple players away from the playoffs, then you've got to draft like a playoff team and get players that you think are NFL ready, that they're going to jump in immediately and do something. And I don't think they're anywhere near that. I think they need to take players that might be great eventually, but you believe in, you stand on the table, you believe in them, but you're still okay to take positions where it does take time to develop, like corner, like pass rusher. I think they're terrible on defense, and they desperately need those positions, and I think you're crazy to say that they're close to being a playoff team. Well, we've never agreed on much, so I will tell you this. You're wrong again. (laughs) Good, okay, okay. 
Because you don't need the draft to do that. You've got free agency and trades, Douglas. Remember that. I never believe in that like I believe in the draft. Free agency scores were Josh Woods, Kaiser White for sure. Mm-hmm. And how did he finish the wait? How did White Kaiser White very finish? Very good season? players who saved that defense from being a lot worse than it could have been. Defensive line, yes, you need a lot of aggregation there. There's no doubt about it. Edge rusher, I don't think drafting a rookie edge rusher is going to solve anything at 27 or number four because you don't want to do that because there isn't anybody worthy of number four as an I agree with that. I agree with that. So you hope that a defensive tackle who can push up through the middle in this defense, which I do think can work through free agency and trades and future drafts, Look, this team this team will win, I'm telling you, seven or eight games. And when you do that, 20 teams last week of the season were in position to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You get that close, you're in a chance to do something. All right? I go back to the Packers. No one thought they were going to be anything. And they Jordan Love played out of his shorts. Other teams... Houston played out of its mind with a rookie coach and a rookie quarterback and a bunch of nobodies and some good players. Don't get me wrong, but it can happen. If you're, if you're that close with eight wins in this league, nowadays you're that close to the playoffs. So here's what we'll do. I am, you don't need to tear it all up again. I am so confident you are wrong. We will I'll set you. Let's set the over. It'll be the most interesting bet of your life. We'll set the over under. No, I've gambled way more with other more important things. Since you set the over under, wait till you hear the bet. You'll love these terms. It will set the over under at seven and a half because you said they're going to win seven or eight games unless you unless you're really feeling squirrely and you want to set it at eight and a half. And you say I do love squirrels. Okay, so so we're going officially squirrely. You are saying today you are willing to bet a non-financial bet that the Cardinals will be above five hundred. You say nine and financial. Yeah, non-financial. Yeah, here's what we'll do because this is going to be more entertaining for you. It'll be uh, you're going to go with nine and eight. I'll go with eight or less. You're going to go with nine or above. So we'll set the over under at eight and a half wins. Seven or eight turn into nine. Well, you got to. I mean, you're. I you're said they will go seven or eight. And okay. That so, so do you want? Well, since you be, said seven or eight, let's go. Okay. Okay. I'll give you seven and a half then. I'll be nice. Seven and a half. Right. So therefore, if they win seven, you're wrong. If they win eight, you win. And here's what you win if you get it right. Wow. If I get it right, I win nothing because I already know I'm right. Why should I win something? But if you win and well, they win eight games or more, I'm going to give you a free bullseye. So when we play cricket. I don't need a free bullseye. You only need, yes, you do because you've never beat me. You get you only need two bullseyes. I still need three. What a gift! What a fair gift! I'd me. rather have dinner at the wigwam on your butt. That's what I'd rather have. <laughs> Meaning on my dime, or do I have to like lay on the table? I don't know. No, you stay away from the table. I just want it on your dime. Oh, I see. I see. I accept that term as long as we're at Reds, my sports bar. I can't. Afford I don't need the bullseye. Okay. Yeah, I can't afford Litchfields. And Josh Rosen is there, or Josh Rojas is in there every now and then. Rosen. Not Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. Yeah, yeah, he's not. He's not a West Side guy. guy. It wasn't his fault. <laughs> yes, it was. No, it wasn't. It was. I hey. liked it better than Matt Leiner. 
Oh, I'll give you that. Matt Leiner's uh, amazing impromptu press conference behind the tree when he was upset at Ken Wisnott. Good one. And he yeah. told me, hey, I'm going to go next. Don't leave. Don't leave. Tell everybody to stay. That was me. <laughs> they cut that tree down, you know. I think they did it in honor of Matt Leiner. They didn't want anybody running over to that tree anymore. Could have been. Yeah, I totally They've believe I'm right on that. problem out there, though. All right. I, th- I thought uh, I was going to take about 20 minutes of your time, and I took your whole night. So I do owe you darts for this. Without I don't need the bullseye, but I'll take dinner at Reds. Or uh, well, hey, you're only getting dinner at Reds if there is, if you lose. However, they'll, they'll win eight games. Uh, no, they won't. And then what we'll do, but I still will treat you to dinner uh, if I get my draft show sold and you will be an expert analyzer on the, before the draft. All right. Doug Franz mock draft. If I'm not in Hawaii or some Bangladesh city, I'll be I don't think you're going to be in Bangladesh a week. You don't know. I've got people. Me and Keith Richards are going to hang out in a in a couple of weeks. So, is Keith Richards still a people? Yes. <laughs> you can't kill Keith Richards. <laughs> don't, that's forever. true. Okay, that that part's true. Bobby right. Mack, you know, we're one of the same. You know. Plug yourself. What's what's your next article about in the Arizona Republic? We're doing a big. I well, I'm doing a big series about the the free agency signing period and another mock draft. But I'll have a seven day series coming up soon. Uh, before you know it, before the Super Bowl, I think because it's already halfway written. So okay. Well, put us into your calendar. Once you write it and after the Super Bowl, come on yeah. post-Super Bowl and talk about your articles. Yeah, well, you know, whatever happens, I'll be there. Good. You demand. All right. Love you, Bobby Mack. Thanks for your time, my friend. Don't need a bullseye. Don't need a bullseye. It's big. It's juicy. It's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. I love that. Hopefully you did as well. That was uh, my conversation last night with Bobby Mack. No beer last night, not a beer Friday. And I was drinking tea, which I just find totally disgusting. I absolutely hate tea, but got to do what you got to do for the voice right now and uh and that's life you know suck it up suck it up bobby mack was great i it, what's really tell me if this matters to you as a follow-up to that conversation the clear disconnect between the two of us is whether or not you think this is a playoff team do you think they have the talent to make the playoffs next year and then you go into the draft with that mentality. For me, my mentality never changes. Best player available, best player available, best player available. However, I'm always interested in moving around the draft that if there's a player that I think is just light years better than the place I assume I'm drafting in. Now, you might say, well, what does that mean? Let's say I'm drafting 15th in the draft. 
And I think the players that I am projecting to be hanging around the 15 spot are not nearly as good as the guy that's sitting at 10. Well, then I'm going to try to find a way to go up and get number 10. I'm going to try to find a way to move up. If I feel like I have a secret and I love somebody a lot more than anybody else does, I'm not going to back down on how I love them, but I'm going to use that against everybody and trade down and get my guy later. There are other people that totally disagree with that second part of what I just said. One of them is Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner terribly disagrees with me on that one. And he uses Jameer Gibbs as an example. You take a look at Gibbs, the uh, running back for the Lions. The Lions got ripped for drafting him in the first round. And now look how great of a postseason he has had. And most people say, see, just because I see value in him and you don't isn't a reason for me not to draft him. Their argument is your ignorance is not a reason for me to pass somebody up. Since I'm right, I'm going to draft him right now. And I'm not going to be so, again, I'm arguing for them. I'm not going to be so arrogant to assume that I'm the only one that sees it. I'm getting my guy right now. And their argument is that the media puts pigeonholes guys into certain positions. That you might put out your own mock draft, and after you put out a mock draft, you start reading other people's mock drafts, and you realize four guys that you respect all say a player that you love isn't as good. Maybe that's going to sour you on your guy a little bit, and you're not going to stand on the table. So then when an NFL team actually values a player more than a mock draft does, then everybody says, you don't have good value. You should have drafted that guy later in the draft. I have a friend who, granted, this is a story of a story, okay? Uh, the guy was not totally in the room when this happened. However, he had multiple friends who were in the room. They all have the same story. I forget what year it is, but I don't know if you remember, there's a guy named Quincy Carter. He's a quarterback for Georgia. And Quincy Carter enters the draft, and just about everybody in the world thinks he's a fifth-round pick. There are a couple people that are squirrely and think he's a fourth-round pick. But almost everybody thinks he's a fifth-round pick. The draft is getting ready to start, and the day before the draft or something like that, I don't remember when, but Jerry Jones takes an eraser and erases the quarterback board that they've got up and says, we're drafting Quincy Carter. Now, they didn't have a first-round pick that year, but they had a second-round pick. So the first pick of the Cowboys that year was a second-round pick. They draft Quincy Carter, and he's a dog. I mean, no offense. I'm sure Quincy's a wonderful human being. But he was not even remotely an NFL quarterback and played about exactly as every Cowboy scout thought he was going to play. But because Jerry Jones wanted Quincy Carter, that was it. They took Quincy Carter. That's bad value. Even if Jerry was right that Quincy Carter is going to be good. I look at this theory as the theory of if I'm selling you a Mercedes for $100 and you say, no, I demand to pay $25,000, you're an idiot. The price was $100. You are arguing to pay more. And I feel the same way on certain players that you find you love a guy, so you are all in on him. Okay, fine. That doesn't make him worth that just because you're all in. That's my opinion. 
I used Monty Ossenford's skill last year as proof of how I'm looking at it. I think they loved Paris Johnson Jr. tackle out of Ohio State. I don't think they wanted him that early in the draft. I think they were drafting number three last year. If you remember, they traded all the way back to 12, picked up a whole bunch of draft capital, didn't change how much they loved Paris Johnson. Then they moved from 12 to 6, drafted Paris Johnson. So they get their guy, and they pick up not ton, not a ton, but, a, but some stuff for the future. I should say not a ton. They did get a ton because they got an extra first-round pick this year. Now, they gave up most of everything else to get from 12 to 6, but... They picked up that first-round pick, still walked away with the guy they wanted. To me, that is perfect draft manipulation. So I, I, I think that's, you know, behold. Now, as far as the draft is concerned about a playoff team, that's where Bobby Mack was really hung up. So he's looking at, in his opinion, how bad the receiving core is. Says Michael Wilson's a number two, so they need a one and a three. He doesn't really like the rest of the group. You've got a chance to draft Marvin Harrison Jr., um, I've seen most of Marvin Harrison Jr.'s games. I totally understand why somebody would love Marvin Harrison Jr., and I won't throw anything at the television if the Arizona Cardinals draft Marvin Harrison Jr. at number four. But my belief is a little different. I look at the receiving core in this draft as unbelievable. So I would rather see them, if they, no matter how much they love Marvin Harrison Jr., trading down drafting Roma Dunze because I think he is awesome and then you've got more draft capital because where Bobby Mack and I disagree I think that defense is terrible Bobby Mack's belief is it takes too long to learn to play corner and to learn high level pass rush moves to draft a pass rusher or a corner and then wait on them to develop when he says you're already a seven to eight win team now nail this draft or nail a free agent you're a playoff team i so strongly disagree with they're a playoff team so if my little game works of trading down and getting roma dunze later and then using your extra draft capital and the other position where it's stacked up is corner and it's it's not stacked at tackle but it's pretty darn good so I like Roma Dunes. I like Alt out of Notre Dame. I would rather do that. I'd like to know that I have two tackles for the rest of my life. So, you know, Paris Johnson Jr. and Alt, you're my tackles. I'm done here. I've got two of the hardest positions to be able to fill, and I never have to worry about them again. I like that. And I disagree with, with um, Bobby Mack, who's a very knowledgeable dude. So you obviously take your pick on what you want when it comes to – skipping over the corner or pass rush position in the draft i like verse out of florida state and oh my gosh there's a ton of good corners if they trade down and i miss out on roma dunze and i walk away with a guy named kool-aid mckinstry from uh, from alabama okay okay i'll take kool-aid at corner i'm totally fine with that and you know, it's funny that he said that about corner. I actually disagree with him on that point, too, in the sense that I think corner is one of the easiest positions to transition from college to pro. It's extremely difficult because the talent is so thick. I, I, I don't know if a college corner truly understands just how great NFL wide receivers are. But at the same time, 
do you think Denver regrets Patrick Sertan? I mean, I, there are corners that you get in the first round, you drop, you drop right in, and here's your rule. You guard that guy. There's a thing called cat coverage, okay? <laughs> this is one of the funniest terms in football to me. Cat coverage. You know what cat coverage is? I got that cat. <laughs> That's it. Like, listen, I'm, I'm one-on-one with this cat right here. That's it. That's all cat coverage is, all right? And then a corner cat is you're in cat coverage, and then um, – um, and then you go on a corner blitz and, and you take off. I, I just, I like those little terms, but just, I got that cat. I don't need to be like Deion Sanders used to do this. I don't need to be in your huddle. There's no reason for me to know. I don't need to know what the other 10 guys on my defense are doing. I got this cat. That's what I'm doing. I'm making sure that guy doesn't catch a ball. And I, I like that kind of arrogance. And that's who I want at corner. So I'm going after people like that in the draft. I want corners. I want pass rushers. I want a position called a three technique. It's a defensive line position. And and the way, have you ever heard of that three technique? I, I think a lot of you have heard it, but you might not really know. Basically, the techniques are shoulders. That's a good way to remember. It's just shoulders. Okay? Here's a shoulder. There's a shoulder. It's the shoulders of the offensive lineman. Simple way to know it. Okay? Technically, like it's a little more advanced than that, but not bad. So the outside shoulder of the guard your three technique you're trying to push up the field to be able to really cla- Aaron Donald you're really trying to collapse everything and that is to me the be all end all position I think yes an outside pass rusher is still huge but quarterbacks have become so mobile the famous blind side is not as important anymore because the quarterbacks get out of the pocket so much But if you have a great pass rusher up the middle, then that gets right into the quarterback's face. So if he's short, he can't see. If he is tall and athletic, it's hard for him to know which way can I go when the pressure's right in his face. And you take away so much of his view that now he's forced to roll out all the time. So I like an interior player. And there's a couple I like, but nobody at number four. Now, the scenario we brought up that he was suggesting, the possibility of the Bears actually liking Justin Fields, sticking with Justin Fields. And then if that happens, what they would want to do is trade down to three with the assumption that the Patriots at three would be able to say, great, we've got the quarterback that we or excuse me, Washington would be able to say, great, we've got the quarterback that we want and be able to make a leapfrog type of move. And then Chicago would then draft Marvin Harrison Jr junior because if you're going to keep Justin Fields you want to get him that presence at receiver now the Cardinals are sitting there at number four with an interesting decision if they believe either a Kyler Murray is the guy or if they're still questioning whether Kyler Murray is the guy but they don't want that much drama of drafting a quarterback at number four then what they do is they hope The world wants to move up to four to get to one of the remaining quarterbacks. If you're a Cardinals fan, that's only to me. It's about a two to five percent pipe dream that the Bears are satisfied with Justin Fields and staying with him. But that pipe dream, oh my gosh, if it actually comes true, you're in heaven. I mean, you've got the world in front of you with your choice of the best tackle still on the board, your choice of the best corner still on the board, and the hope that somebody's moving up to get a quarterback. And now you trade down, and you're still going to have a ton of people. Some people would disagree with me even talking about this because you say, Doug, you think that's going to happen? Absolutely not. Well, then why are you talking about it? Well, why can't we dream? I mean, why can't we think, wow, that would be a home run? 
And let's not act like we guarantee, we totally know with the Bears. Um, I think I do. I, I think they want Caleb Williams beyond a shadow of a doubt. But I'm one that think Caleb Williams turns the ball over a little bit too much for me to, boom, you're the number one quarterback. I, I think he's smarter than Jameis Winston. But I had some of the same hesitations with Jameis Winston. When Jameis Winston came out of Florida State, I saw the leadership skills. I saw the fun he had playing the game. I saw all of those things. But I also saw a level of quarterback arrogance. I don't know the guy well enough to know about his arrogance as a human being. But his quarterback arrogance of the continual belief, I can put the ball here. And no, you can't. No, you can't. And he was a turnover machine at Tampa Bay. And now he's a backup quarterback, sometime starter. I look at Caleb Williams right now, and I see everything everybody else sees, and I do think the talent there is fantastic. But if you don't have an excellent quarterback's coach and quarterback system, and you can't coach him out of these turnovers, he's not going to be special at all, and he's not going to be worth the number one pick. And then I look at Chicago. Now, no team in the world is ever going to say, we think Caleb Williams is the best player in the draft, but we understand we're not good enough to coach him. We screw up quarterbacks, so we're going to pass on him because our history is he won't be as good for us pretty dumb thing to say right and full disclosure because I always want to admit when I'm wrong too just like when I tell you when I'm right about the draft I loved I mean stand on the table loved he's going to the hall of fame he's going to be amazing Joe Burrow quarterback out of LSU I was worried sick about the Bengals drafting him because I thought the Bengals would ruin him because I think they have a terrible football organization from Mike Brown, the general manager, president, uh, owner, on down to everybody else. Uh, I think he's a disaster. And I thought they'd be really bad at putting the talent around Joe Burrow. I'm only half right. They've done a fantastic job receiver-wise. I think they've done a horrible job offensive line-wise, and they're going to get that kid killed. And I'm worried about the future of Joe Burrow there. But there's no doubt, as just quarterback, when healthy, he's fantastic. So the Bengals, in a sense, haven't ruined him yet, but there's, the, you know, there's, there's still time. There's still time for him to take a few more hits because he has never, he's rarely been able to finish a full season. And if he does, I think the the Bengals are always uh, touchdown possibilities or touchdown possibilities, uh, Super Bowl uh, contenders when he's healthy. I just don't know how often he'll be healthy because they've done such a bad job with that offensive line. So since I don't think the Cardinals are anywhere near a playoff spot. I am drafting players that I project that you need to have to be a playoff team. And where are they strong? Like when I say best player available, where do you think the team is strong? I think they're strong at right tackle. I do. I think they're good right there. I think they're strong at safety. And... From a draft standpoint, I think they're strong at tight end. When I say draft standpoint, what I mean is you can always improve your move tight end, your blocking tight ends, things like that. And I'm not doing that in the draft unless it's the sixth or seventh round. So when I say, when I take those positions off the board, you look at every other position on this team. 
I think they're weak. I don't see the talent that everybody else does. So I'm saying center. I'm saying guards. I'm saying three technique. I'm saying edge rushers. I'm, I'm not even all that thrilled at middle linebacker. I'm saying corners desperately. I, I'm, I'm still one that believes they need a quarterback, but I wouldn't necessarily do it in this draft. But I do like Bo Nix. I don't think they have the courage to take him at number 32, but I do like Bo Nix. Um, I think he'll develop into a good NFL quarterback. So, um, but I'm kind of like, if, if with the salary cap hit, you, you, you just have Kyler finish out this year. If he doesn't do anything, you get rid of him. But I don't know enough. I'm not skilled enough to tell you the quarterbacks in the 2025 NFL draft to say that there's a guy right there, that that's who you're going after if Kyler doesn't do it. I'm standing on the table saying, I think Bo Nix is going to be good, and I think there's going to be value for him to draft him late. He's an older quarterback, that's true. But in today's modern era of how long athletes play, who cares You know how old he is? Now, if you believe it with Bobby Mack, if you agree the Cardinals are pretty close, to making the playoffs it's a bad pick i would say to draft bo nix because if you're close then get players immediately because bo nix is not going to help you in 2024 so immediately go get guys that will help you right now and i hope you give me room come draft time because i'm going to want the caveat of who's on the board when you actually pick one thing i really disagree with Unless you are getting somebody's whole farm, I don't like making trades early in a uh, in a week, in a month, things like that. Unless I feel like this is a deal I'll never get again for this draft pick or this player. I'm not making trades early. I want to make trades when I'm on the clock. I want to see who's on that board right now compared to the guys that I love. And if there's somebody on my board that I want more than, then okay, now the price tag for you to take my draft pick is astronomical because I love the guy I'm about to pick. If I like the guy I'm about to pick, my my price drops. If I think there's still about seven guys in this pool of players that I think really can play and can really help, well, then I'll just trade down five, six, seven spots with the thought process of one of these guys is still going to be there. I'll be happy. Everybody else, fine, get your guy. But now I get more draft capital for later. And I can move around my board an awful lot more. And I really like the way Monty Austinfort ran his draft this year, or last year in 2023. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do in 2024. All right, let's look at the games themselves. Um, I did this for you last week. Hopefully it helped you enjoy the games a little bit more. And that is a compare and contrast of some of my favorite stats to kind of see where's there an edge. And it's interesting, there's... There's not a lot of edges except for one stat, all right? Here are my four stats that I love. Defensive quarterback rating. How good do you make the other guy's quarterback look when your defense is on the field? Your touchdown red zone percentage, meaning how often they are in, you are in the red zone and how often that is then turned into actual points. That matters to me. Um, a lot and then let me see if I can find sc- scoring defense because I did yeah, opponents red zone percentage I forgot to look that one up so and then I like opponents red zone percentage uh, meaning how often when they're in the red zone do they score touchdowns against you your rushing yards per attempt and your rushing yards per attempt against what that means is 
I don't care if you average 120 yards a game rushing, if you average 80 yards a game rushing. I care about when you're rushing, how far do you get? Because that tells me how efficient you are when you run. And that's important to me. And then the turnover margin. Turnover margin margin is where the biggest gap is. Baltimore is plus point, uh, point 0.7 and Kansas City is minus point 0.6. Now that stat is per game. So every game that the Ravens play, they almost always get one more turnover than you do. They force you into one more turnover than they have giveaways. Almost every game, they end plus one. That's a tremendous advantage because of Baltimore's quarterback, MVP, Lamar Jackson, is showing he doesn't turn the ball over. The Chiefs are basically minus a half. So what that means is about eight games a year, they're even in turnover margin, and eight games a year, they have one more turnover than they're able to force. That goes back to, if you've been watching Chiefs games this year, just how terrible their receivers are. There's been so many tipped interceptions because the receivers are dropping balls which is a catastrophe and who knows if they were balls that they didn't catch that did not turn into turnovers but maybe the the team turns the ball over later in the drive well if that guy would have caught it maybe they would have scored a touchdown on that drive and then never turned it over there's a little bit of ifs in there but i think the drops from the chiefs were so bad that those are fair ifs it was it was atrocious detroit's not good in this category either they're they're Plus, they're a positive point one, But San Francisco and Baltimore are both tied at almost being plus one every game of the season. Tremendous advantage there. Um, one of the other really ones that I'm interested in is rushing yards per attempt versus rushing yards against. Okay? This is an interesting stat. When San Francisco rushes the football, they average 4.8 yards per attempt. That's tremendous, and that's fourth best in the NFL. When Detroit decides to run, they're at 4.5. Tell me if you think rushing yards per attempt is an important stat when you hear these names. Baltimore's number three, San Francisco's number four, Detroit's number five, Kansas City's number nine. So they're all in the top ten, Chiefs being the worst. But when you go rushing yards against... Baltimore is a disaster at 23 at, in 23rd place and the Chiefs are worse at worse are at 25th place. So neither of these teams in the AFC Championship game stop the run well and both of them have reasonably dominant running games. Uh, Baltimore a little bit better. When you compare in the NFC Championship game, You've got San Francisco, the fourth best, Detroit, the fifth best at rushing the football. So they're great when they rush it. Detroit, however, is by far better at rushing yards per attempt at stopping the run. Now, this is an aspect we haven't really talked about a lot nationally is how good Detroit can Detroit actually neutralize Christian McCaffrey. And that brings up the issues of McCaffrey, who did not look good in his last game. And it's not very often he has a bad game. So is he going to be able to play a lot better? Is Debo Samuel going to be there uh, and be able to be healthy and bail him out? 
If not, if Detroit is already one of the best teams at stopping the run and they don't have to worry about Debo Samuel, what are they going to be able to do to stop Christian McCaffrey? So if they stop Christian McCaffrey, does that mean that Brock Purdy can beat them single-handedly? When you hear those comments that I'm giving you, I'm kind of going – with versus Vegas, I, I kind of like the road dogs a little bit. I'll get into that here in a little bit. So today is the big move day here on WTSMTV.com, where we're going to be in new digs coming up on Monday. Steve McCollum joins me right now. He is the host of the main event with Dale Hellestray. Uh, Steve, what, uh, what, what, what do you have plans to today? Are you, uh, are you doing heavy lifting? Are, are you a big moving guy? You love moving? I got senioritis, man. I just don't even care. I'm just like, eh, whatever. I'm done with this. Done with this place. I'm out of here. What is the official age where pizza and beer pays for moves? When you call up buddies, oh, help me oh, move. Uh, low 20s? Yeah. When, when nobody has money? Well, that's interesting. I, I would go as high as like 27 or 28. Mm, I, I would, nah. I'd go up that. For slackers like you, maybe. Yeah, but I, uh, for guys like me, yeah, I'm, I'm out in the corporate world making money at uh, 22. Yeah, 23. that wasn't happening. I was making <laughs> 475, no, 425 an hour. And yeah. then I got a big upgrade to $18,000 yeah. a year Fo- when I went to Alabama. Follow your radio dream, right, Doug? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. And uh, so there's no there's no way I can afford a, a, a professional no, in move. That, in that case, uh, it's there. You know, but um, yeah, like I can I can buy my own twenty dollar pizza. I don't need you to do it to help yeah. me move. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I don't know if we're getting pizza and beer today for the. Uh, for Are the you move. actually helping move? I was uh, asked to move your own personal stuff, so well, I have, yeah, yeah, you got a lot to pack up in there. Yeah, so I have the. I have the 360 to bring, and, and I have quite a few bobbleheads. I'm, get, I'm getting shoved out of here so quickly that, uh, you know, because Izzy's going to do his show from in here because of his guest today. Oh, okay. Uh, and, um, and uh, you know, so I'm like, all right, my show's done. I'm just grabbing my stuff and walking out, I yeah, guess. Yeah, uh, you yeah. Know. That'll, be, uh, that'll be a little crazy. How are, how are you looking uh, NFL-wise this weekend? Anything caught your eye? Any, like, individual matchup? Nah. This guy versus this guy, this team, defense, all you know, anything I, grab you? I'm worried about the 49ers being able to cover the seven. Uh, I think, you know, I, I'm worried about Detroit playing outdoors. There's those stats, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, Niners are, like, 0-4 against the spread, uh, you know, uh, when, they're, when, there's, when it's seven or higher. So, um, you know, they don't generally cover in these conditions, and you got to worry about Debo, even though it looks like he's going to play. He's been practicing. you got to worry about his health. Uh, that's the game I'm most focused on. You know, look, Chiefs scare you, no doubt about it. Baltimore should win that game. Chiefs scare you. I don't know who's going to win that game. It could be either one, and yeah. either one's going to win, and you're going to go, all right. Yeah, exactly. I, I was a little <laughs> shocked that the spread on that one is right now stands at four, I think. Yeah, it still yeah, stands so it went at four. from three and a half to four since yesterday. Okay. Yeah, that's I, I, to me, those two numbers, I don't really care about three and a half to four. It's the magic number of three. You get oh, me yeah. over three, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of I, I, I'm kind of happy with that. Uh, whoever wins that game is going to win that game by seven, right? It's going to be a late touchdown. Uh, I don't see that coming down to a field goal. I think it's going to come down to a touchdown, Oh, right? don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Right? <laughs> that's why I like it that it's at a four, because it, when you say touchdown, it well, could be Chiefs by three. That's what I mean. Baltimore scores a touchdown, and at least I get a split if I'm taking Chiefs. Yeah, you want, I, I'd be happier with – would you Would you be happier with three and a half or four? I'd be happier with three and a half, because that gives you uh, four. You can at least – I guess you can uh, The, the catch tie. is because I'm, I'm taking the underdog. That's yeah. why. 
You're taking so, the Chiefs, huh? So you give me as many points as you want. And I'll why why do you think the Chiefs are going to win this game? Like, I don't really think they'll win. I think they're too good to lose by a lot. So I li- if I'm getting mm. four points, I, I like that. I don't have any idea who's going to win. Uh, yeah, Baltimore is not the Bills, uh, you know, this year. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, the, the, man, Travis, I'm, I'm still on the Travis is going to retire. Travis Kelsey is going to retire after this year. So, therefore, do you think Band he plays wagon. well or mm. doesn't play well yeah. because his head's in a well, lot of different places? I think he's going to try to play well, but yeah. sometimes you put a lot of pressure on you, and then he just saw his brother's supposed final game yeah well that went horribly wrong you're gonna put extra pressure on yourself to do more which sometimes doesn't always uh work out you know so uh but other than that i mean pachenko's hurt he, even if he plays he's he's not gonna have the game he had last week and that's what kind of opened it up for the chiefs and i think that's gonna be a downfall because if you pass against this baltimore defense and you're a pass only team you're in a lot of trouble yeah yeah you're exactly right uh, about that yeah. seven game winning streak is it going to still be alive two games this weekend when we're on the air Monday for the uh, Suns? Uh, who, who do they got this weekend? They, uh, <laughs> they take on – it's a good question. They take on, they take on the Pacers. I, I completely just went blank when you asked that question. I was like, Suns what? They, uh, they, take, on the, they take on the Pacers, right, the Pacers. tonight, yeah. and, and that's going to be interesting because I kind of have a feeling – Eastern Conference, some people say it doesn't matter. But for Tyrese Halliburton to get voted a starter, yeah. and Devin Booker has never been voted a starter. Yeah. I, Devin Booker is the type of guy that holds grudges. So I oh, I, right. I, I, can see Devin Booker going off tonight. So Suns struggled without Halliburton playing, what, a week ago? Yes, so, against Indiana. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, they're, due, not, they're not due for a letdown because they're on a seven-game winning streak. They're going to have a, they're gonna lose a couple games on this road trip, folks, right? Oh, I agree. Totally. On the seven-game road trip is a long time, so is tonight the night. Uh, who do they got? I think they play Sunday again. Who do they got? You're Sunday? right. They have it's one of those three games in four yeah. nights. Pacers tonight, off Saturday, and then that back-to-back in Florida at Orlando oh. Sunday yeah. at Miami on Monday. Uh, if you're going to lose a game, it's going to be tonight. Yeah, yeah. And then they go Brooklyn, then they go Atlanta, and then they go Washington, and then they come back home for. Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, like, you don't get you don't get like a little break or anything <laughs> like that. No, just because Orlando, although they're a young team, you can you know you you should win that game. Uh, and then uh, Miami is always a get up game, right? Uh, for anybody that plays Miami, I so, so yeah. I think the Pacers are the team that you could struggle against, especially because uh, Halliburton's definitely playing, right? Yes, he, he's definitely in. So uh, I'd I think, say definitely, but yes, <laughs> yeah, most likely, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah he's back basically. Uh, but uh, I would say tonight would be possibly a letdown night, but. Did the places play last night? Yes, they did. So at back least to back. It, at least it was at home, though. Yeah, they yeah, didn't have but to still, yeah, but back to backs can be tough. I, in the I NBA, agree. So. I, I agree. Yeah, you know what? Suns should win. Yeah, screw it. Suns will win this. You know, uh, no I, problem. I haven't. I haven't had a chance to play this. I wanted to wait. I wanted to wait for you to hear this. Uh, Jeff Weir Production. Will you do me a favor and play the TNT quote from last night, in which there's Charles, there is Shaq, there's Kenny the Jet Smith, and then uh, we have the question that says Luca. Tell me about what happened against the Suns mm-hmm. last night. Yeah, I mean, it was the whole game, you know, a little bit. But uh, I was really frustrated, you know, we were losing. I twisted my ankle in the second half, so in the first half. It was just a lot of emotions. Uh, but, yeah, uh, probably shouldn't have done that. So when I'm wrong, I admit it, so probably shouldn't have done that. But it was just the whole game going on. 
All right, after everything you said yesterday, <laughs> Steve McCollum uh, on Doug Franz Unplugged and the main event, yeah. let me yeah. give you the floor. What, what yeah, did you think I, of the I apology? 30 minutes. Uh, look, you're, you're still a whiny baby. Uh, I'm not going to take those comments back. You're an absolute joke of a, of a sideshow. You're a great player, but your sideshow antics are dumb. Uh, somebody got to him. He listened to the program yesterday, and he was like, you know what? Steve McCollum is right. I am a giant crybaby. All I do is whine constantly. Uh, and uh, you know what? It's time that I just admit it, and uh, I'm still going to whine, but at least I'm going to admit I'm a big giant baby. Uh, I'm going to pull my pampers up and I'm going to get a nice little sweater on and uh, go apologize <laughs> to the world. So that was nice of him. I would have given him so much praise because whenever you say you're wrong, I appreciate it. However, once he said, I sprained my ankle, once he threw the he spray, gave, tank, he I'm gave like, excuses oh again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. God, and that was at home. That's the worst part of it. Yes. Uh, you know, that, and all seriousness, I, mean, I had fun with him yesterday, you know, but um, uh, in all seriousness, uh, his fan, I, I, his fan base was laughing at him in Dallas yesterday for those antics. They didn't believe him, and that sometimes yeah. is a wake up call to the players that uh, you know Good he point. thought doing that his fan base would be behind him. Yeah. And the media and the fan base were like, "Dude, it, this, you're an idiot," <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, that sometimes will wake you up, right? Get on the treadmill. You're out of here, buddy. Oh my gosh, wait, it was, but it wasn't just that. It was yeah. the reporter comment. We played that bit in the yeah. you know with the reporter where everything you write is bad against me. I know. Anytime that comes out of anybody's mouth you're you're being a baby and then when they were like look we were sitting there we heard what he said and he's just like okay okay you're a little okay. sensitive. All yeah, right, and it's uh, just like brutal, man. Coming up on the main event. Yeah, at least he, at least he apologized. Yeah, so. yeah. But I'm still going to make fun of him. Uh, it's it's yeah, fair. Exactly. Uh, NFL talk, obviously. Uh, and all the AEW ring announcer joining the show at 9.30. Oh, that's Woo-hoo! awesome. Full disclosure. If you... We have... We have Six hours of local sports programming every weekday morning here on WTSMTV.com. If you want wrestling, then you want Steve McCollum and Izzy. <laughs> after after Hogan slammed Andre the Giant before Izzy was born in WrestleMania 3, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I have I have seen the top of the mountain. I'm done here. So I say free plug right there, 9.30 today. Steve McCollum in the main event. Because I will fail you every time when you if you want something uh, like that. But that sounds fun. That sounds fun. I, I can't wait to hear, uh, see what Dale says. All right, versus Vegas today. Uh, boy, let's, let's face it. Always feels good to go undefeated. Got a little lucky. Got a little lucky yesterday. But boy, do I feel smart after what I said. I'll t- explain it in a minute. This Brooklyn-Minnesota game was crazy. Minnesota on the back end of the back-to-back. I'm getting points with the Nets. I took Brooklyn plus the four. Minnesota won, but they did not cover, so I get it right, 96-94. The thing that was crazy about this game is in the first quarter, I believe the Nets have about a four-point lead, so I like that. And then Minnesota just goes off. Uh, on on the Nets in the second half. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I mean, I didn't think I had a chance to be right. They won the second quarter 36-17. to 36-17. to 17. And then, luckily, they won the second half by 20 points. The Nets won 
uh, or excuse me, by 10 points. The Nets won each quarter by five points in the second half. And that was able to overcome the deficit that they had allowed to build at the end of the first half. So I, I got kind of lucky there. And then, if you remember yesterday, it was Sacramento minus two. And I thought, you know what? The way the gap was in the juice, minus 110, Sacramento minus two, minus 125, Sacramento on the money line. I'm thinking, this seems like a no-brainer. If it's only 15 bucks difference, if you're if you're if your uh, unit's 100, if it's only 15 bucks difference, just spend it to not have to give up these two points. So I took Sacramento on the money line minus the 125. If you didn't see it last night, Sacramento takes a one-point lead. Steph Curry turnover, end of the game. Kings win. If I would have said they cover. I lose it. There you go. Okay, okay. That was that was just some money management skills. That wasn't really gambling skills. That was money management skills. So I go two and zero on the day. Overall, since we started this journey, I'm at ten ninety two, nine fifty eight, and nine. But what's nice is Mikey Bell's Nashville Kitchen. He has been covering me and looking at all of my picks from a unit standpoint beginning this year. So far, I'm up 17 and a half units. That's that's pretty fantastic. 17 and a half units to this point in the month of January. So, hey, hello. I mean, hello. So if you would have been gambling with me on every single bet I've had for you, you've had a great 2024 so far. Now, coming up this weekend, I... I might like an NBA game or two two coming up over the weekend, but nothing tonight. And since I don't know about injuries or anything else, I'm not giving any picks. NBA, NHL, there's nobody on a back-to-back tonight, so I didn't like any of that. So I went straight to uh, the NFL. And with my statistical breakdown, 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 I like the Chiefs plus the four. Don't love it. I'm totally in agreement with Steve McCollum. Who knows what's going to happen in that game? I think they're both evenly matched for the most part. I would say Baltimore's a little better. But I do see this as a close game. And I can see something... Like, maybe I get lucky on a backdoor cover where Steve is saying, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a field goal that wins the game. And I think he means that as in you're making a drive for the end zone and you get a field goal for to win it. I'm not necessarily saying that. But can't you see Baltimore up by 10 and the Chiefs get the ball and you trust Patrick Mahomes and he drives you down and gets you a touchdown and then they don't get the onside kick. So it's really a 10-point game but the final score is three points. Or it's a case where it ends up being a four-point game. Somebody's up by three and then Baltimore scores a touchdown, let's say, against the Chiefs and and then it's now a four-point difference and I got the Chiefs plus four, I get the draw. I like the Chiefs plus four. And the other one... I think that's too big of a spread. I do think San Francisco's going to win. I don't like the juice on the money line. And I like Detroit plus the seven and a half. I really believe in that being a close game because I don't think Debo Samuel's going to be highly effective. And I totally believe in the run defense of Detroit, not to totally stop Christian McCaffrey, but at least slow him down enough 
that then you're going to be able to keep the game close enough. And then the threat of a backdoor cover. I mean, think about it. 49ers are up by 14, and all I need is a touchdown on a late drive with a little bit of hope inside of four minutes to go for the Lions to get it close. I think I'm right on this one. I don't love either of the picks, but I think there's too many points to give up on them. So I'm going to take both road dogs and the points in the championship games on Sunday. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I literally have about three minutes left on this voice. Yes, I feel like that was totally clutch. Coming up Monday, new digs. Hopefully you're going to be reasonably impressed. Enjoy your beer Friday. Thank you, David, for the sign. What are you doing this weekend? Try to get out and be uh, be around some of our sponsors. Bell's Nashville Kitchen. I tell you what, that ice wedge chicken tender salad sounds delicious right now for lunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen, Old Town Scottsdale on Main Street, just off of Scottsdale Road. One of the, the best breakfast burrito you're ever going to have is at Burrito Express. Don't forget, February 3rd is where we'll be out there for their grand opening of the store, the new location in Kyrene in South Tempe. We have um, Parker & Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical, 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Rosati's on the east side, Ray and McQueen, but only that location in Chandler. And, of course, Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, the presenting sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great week. I shall see you Monday.